This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Pierre Novelli and Chloe Pett, our guest today. Hello. You can text the show on 812.15, follow us on X and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email via Frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Good morning, Chloe. Hello. Do you recognise this? Oh, do I? It's from the private life of pets. (laughs) And it's actually called Meet the Pets, that particular track. Here I am. Yeah. You Uh, should come on stage to that. Be a great great music to walk on to. How many people do you think would get that, Frank? Four. 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 Well, that makes it worth it then, doesn't it? Lifetime or? Yeah. I I do stuff that four people don't get in an audience. (laughs) Uh, four, I regard as a sort of borderline hit. <laughs> so, um, here we are. It's week, what is it, 19 <sighs> of the Edinburgh Festival? It's so yes. tiring. <laughs> they said it would be over by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was World War One. Oh. You fool. <laughs> now, it's still uh, tremendous. I'm still seeing shows. I'm liking it. But my yes. family came up this week and I remembered what was back home and that was that was bad. Yeah. You're supposed to forget about that and think you're some solitary figure who's never really got close to anyone when you're up here. What do you think is like the peak time that the Edinburgh Fringe should be? Um, well, I... Depends who you are, I think. I think mm. if you don't have family back home, I think it could just be all the year round. Yeah, um, uh, there's also a part of me that's like, we should all come up, do five minutes and then go home. (laughs) (laughs) Our whole year should be judged on whether we can do a tight five. Off we pop. Back to London. I've never done a tight five in my life. (laughs) Have you not? No, I can't do a tight five. I try and I do a tight eight. It's barely enough time to introduce yourself, really. I've seen American comics and I've been on shows and the producers come on and said, uh, actually, we're running a bit tight, so I know you're booked for um, ten, but could you do about eight and a half? And I've thought, oh, well, what's the difference? (laughs) And I've seen American comics go on and do eight and a half. They are so professional. And, of course, when I say professional... I mean rubbish. Which is use how I use. Because if you can do that, you have no soul. It's <laughs> my theory. And if you come off stage having just done a gig, the last thing you want is for someone to go, gosh, that was professional. <laughs> yeah, gosh, that <laughs> was exactly gosh, the right you ran time. To time. <laughs> yeah, I want I want my response mainly from the audience, not from a timekeeper. Yeah, yeah, from a, from an umpire. Yeah, that's no good. So, um, yeah, but I'm still. Uh, I I had. I tell you what I did this week. I went out for um, a, a bubble tea. <laughs> oh, Frank. Oh, I love bubble tea. Do you? Oh God, yes. God, I, well, this feels like a real sort of mixture of the the high the high culture and the low. I'm not going to say which re- way round. I think you and bubble tea are in terms <laughs> of high and low culture. Okay. I can't imagine you with those bubbles in mm. your mouth. Well, I don't think of them as bubbles. I think of them as space dumplings. <laughs> Ah. There's something about the texture of them which I think is pretty unique. Yes. And just the feeling of them in a, in rows 
coming up the straw. <laughs> oh, like sort of peas in a moving pot. Oh, man. There's so many of them as well. They don't skimp on yeah. the bubbles, do they? No, that's good, though. I tell you what, that was very annoying. I went to a place, um, a, a cafe. They're all over Edinburgh. They're called um, Black Sheep Coffee, oh, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put ice, a lot of ice, in the bubble tea. And then... There are pockets in the ice where there are space dumplings trapped that you yes. can't. I felt like a shepherd on a rocky hillside who couldn't get some of, some of his sheep because yeah. <laughs> they'd gone onto ledges which I couldn't reach. I love this for you though. I didn't have you down. It's almost like the sort of um, like orange juice with bits for the modern metrosexual man. Mm. I'm very impressed with this, Frank. Well, it's. I think it's less healthy than orange juice with bits. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if the bits should be made by some sort of machine. Yes, or if they're made of I, pudding. I, I think it's it's it's. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a flavour um, dash texture um, thrill. The yeah. whole, the whole thing. More of bubble tea because I had a bubble tea incident. Oh no! <laughs> Where was it? Oh, yes, I was having a, a bubble tea. Mm. And, um, <laughs> oh, we have to establish what flavour. Well, they're, they're a bit limited in black sheep coffee. I normally go... To, when I go to my dentist, across mm. the road there is a bubbleology. <laughs> yes. And in bubbleology... Um, you, <laughs> Two choices you, you have You can there. really go to town. I yes. find if you go strawberry and passion fruit, you can create a sunset in a plastic <laughs> cup. <laughs> well, I sort of... Uh, a sunset blotted out by hundreds of alien craft. Well, exactly, if you could imagine that happening. <laughs> yeah, Frank, exactly. is it like you have one flavour in the main body of liquid and then a second subsidiary flavour within the bubbles? Well, if you are gentle with your <laughs> straw work, <laughs> yes, and you I can maintain the separation between uh-huh. your, two, uh, your two components, you which re- I love. If you don't pierce... Well, if you're one of these people who goes in, like some people, they, you know, they, yeah, they're roughing up the space dumplings with their yeah. Straw. What? So you can sort of disturb the structural integrity of the space dumpling within before it's even hit your mouth. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Well, that's only done by fools. <laughs> I don't like ice generally. By the way, in, no. I never have ice in drinks ever. I don't like it. it they just it's just dilution pellets. Yes, and pre, I don't uh, pre, previously. Uh, uh, bef- previously <laughs> on the Frank Skinner show. Before shows in Edinburgh, I have to oh. keep emphasising to the sort of venue staff that I'm I'm not asking for a pint of water for for pleasure. No, I just need it's lubrication. To, I need yeah. to hydrate myself. Yeah, exactly. The ice is a barrier to that. Oh, ice on stage—that's a nightmare. Don't mention it ever again. The thing is with ice, because it's one of those things where you know you're being fooled as well. When someone mm. says, here's a big glass of drink, and there's a loads of ice in. And that is what they say. Are we supposed to think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what they say to me. In a sort of a, here's a big glass of drink. It's just the trouble with grey Get hair. it down. You pop your napkin down your front. <laughs> And it's um, now, but you know those trick drinks mm. where Benny Hill used to drink a pint of beer and then another pint of beer. Yeah. And in fact, there's only a, a bit around the, the outside. Oh, yeah, yes, where, yes, where yes. you feel it. That's what happens when you put ice in a drink. You're basically giving you a trick 
glass yeah. that's got no liquid in it, hardly. Anyway, my family had just arrived, um, Kath, my partner, and my son, Boz, and we. it was an emotional moment, but I don't know if you've ever had family arrive when you're up here, but you feel like you've been invaded a bit mm. because you've become a solitary outsider figure, or I have, and yeah. suddenly there's like a domestic thing going on. But I'm thinking, no, it's great to see them. And we went, we went and we had a bubble tea. And Buzz, I don't know, he got one space dumpling that was a bit of an irregular diameter. Yeah. And it got a bit wedged in his straw. <laughs> so in trying to shift it, he did a sort of a um, Amazonian tribesman um, blowpipe. <laughs> <laughs> he did one of those. And it, it couldn't have been better. It hit me in my right eye. And it really hurt. I went down. I basically, my elbows touched the table. And it really hurt. And I sort of did a melodramatic, ah! which everyone looked at. Yeah. And he was, like, mortified. Yeah. My partner, um, for some reason, covered her whole face with her hands and seemed to be sh- um, shaking, I think, with heavy laughter. Yes. Um, and what you don't know, listener at home, is that um, Frank's eye has been dislodged in it now. <laughs> it is just a space dumpling. <laughs> it's a tiny well, little when I, felt, I felt the empty casing sliding down my chin, and I thought, that... Is that the Space Dumpling or my now empty eyeball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, with um, vitreous and aqueous humour sliding yes. down with it. What about that? Yeah, oh, I did like that. Yeah, but um, oh, I'll tell you what it did. Because of the sugar in a Space Dumpling, it stuck. It literally stuck my contact lens to my eye and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fabulous shot. It did all the damage required. But uh, then he started crying because I was upset and I started crying because there was a oh. Space Dumpling in my eye <laughs> and Kat started crying because she was laughing so much. <laughs> So that was my uh, that was my dining out um, experience. At the end of it, I, not only I've been trying to wipe the sugar off my face to stop everything, and in the end, uh, my fingers were physically sticking together. From I was blind <laughs> and webbed. <laughs> <laughs> blind and webbed, I think, could be a pulp novel. Yeah, so it's with me on me on the front at a cafe table looking distressed. Yeah, so it's a deeply unsettling new double act at the fringe. <laughs> yes. Hello, I'm Jeff Blind and I'm Mike Webbed. And we are <laughs> Well speaking of uh cafes, Frank, I had a sort of well, I, I, I had a, a, a spotting of a flying saucer. A flying saucer oh. sighting. Okay. But the least exciting version of that. Oh, Put your guns down. <laughs> it's like, a, we don't want a, a sort of invasion from Mars radio incident. I was just like... doing my welcome aliens sign. <laughs> Do you remember that in Independence Day when there's guys on top of the Empire State Bill, welcome aliens, they just completely zap them from space. But imagine if, if this was like, what was that Orson Welles thing yes, you did? Exactly. Where everyone, War of the Worlds. War of yeah. the Worlds and everyone was... A great craft. Is opening up, yeah. Yeah, Frank Skinner's show on Absolute Radio has broken that that there are UFOs. I think it's a, a myth. The Orson Welles. Do you think it's marketing? It started. Everyone thought oh. there was a real alien invasion. I have heard a million 
a different actors doing vox pops or pretending that they're being like, interviewed in a real situation. And it takes about 0.4 of a second to think, no, this is an actor, isn't it, doing it? Yeah. I just don't think anyone thought um, when he went... There are aliens have been spotted. And I think you think, no, that's not a newsreader, that's an actor. It's a great myth. Though, oh, it's a great it? myth. It's a great, like, and it's nice to sort of look at the past and think all oh, those thick people didn't know what was going on. Yes, know? yes, that's true. But I can do that with Nixon. I don't need to do it with alien invasions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, I was sitting in a cafe, and it's a busy Edinburgh cafe, you know, high to the fringe. And uh, the sort of... Um... Do you want some busy Edinburgh Cafe sound effects? Oh, yes, please. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Here go we on, go. Then. This was exactly the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's hear it. That'll be a piece of tablet you're wanting with your TV. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Well, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Atmos. Yeah. Delightful. And in the middle of this um, Gaston and Beauty and the Beast style uh, revelry, um, the waitress had stacked up a lot of crockery. She'd gone ambitious mm. with clearing the tables, you know, get them in, get them out. And a, a sort of tourist looking guy came into the cafe the way that people come in when they're sort of, they're sort of looking almost at the roof, like, they're, like they've landed on an alien planet in Star mm. Trek. They're sort of a bit dazed as if to say, well, what could... What could this room possibly be for? <laughs> Steam and the clinking of cutlery. Oh, oh and well, why is that man holding his eye? <laughs> his tiny little black eye. <laughs> exactly. And as he walked in, the waitress sort of made an attempt to get by him with her sort of overflowing stacks of crockery, and a saucer clattered to the floor. Now, hold on, because the Tamashanta has landed. I think that's a great cliffhanger. Mm. What happens next? Okay, here it comes. Uh, Salsa Gate. We'll call it that. <laughs> Continuing the Nixon theme. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. So this saucer clatters to the floor like a dinner gong, and the, the cafe in general sort of turns to look to see if it shat didn't shatter. And the man, it fell basically at his feet. Yeah. And the waitress was too overburdened to stop and deal with it, so she had to keep going to her station. And he sort of looked at it as it sort of spun to a halt at his feet. And then he looked up and continued his magical journey to the rear of the cafe. Right. And everyone sort of... There was a sense of everyone going, oh, you, you could have picked that up. You looked right. directly at it and sort of as if to say, gosh, a saucer. <laughs> and then kept walking. And then the man's, uh, I presume, partner, certainly a, a lady he was with, followed him and in a sort of embarrassed way picked up the saucer and delivered it to the waitress at his station while he continued in blissful ignorance. You see, I, I'm going to offer a defence of this man. Uh, because it's I like was, 12 Angry Men. <laughs> I was once walking down uh, a street in... Um, in Smethwick in the West Midlands. And an old lady, I would say a woman in her late 70s, um, suddenly lost her balance and fell over right in front of me, slammed onto the pavement mm. in uh, a great sort of cloud of um, mentholyptus dust. <laughs> and, and when um, you turned her over... A single uh, bubble tea bubble in her eye. No, no. The shot had been meant for you. But this is what I did. I, 
<laughs> so there th- was Boz. I could just see Boz putting a straw back in an assassin's case. <laughs> a, bell tower. A, straw, a straw that broke down. It's separate. It's screwed down into three separate sections. <laughs> no, um... So she fell in front of me, this this old lady, and I just stepped over her and kept walking. Right, so ha- where's the defence, Frank? <laughs> I, I forgot to the defence, yeah. Um, my point is, and I could hear, I, I was sensed um, behind me, people, ru- I could hear footsteps of people running to her aid. Yes. And people saying, a bit like you did, look, just didn't stop and all that <laughs> and it was just too just too close to me and too sudden for me to have my decision making time by the time I'd stepped over it I felt the moment had gone mm. and that's why I think the wife or the partner picked it up because she had that extra couple of seconds to assess but sometimes it, it, it's just too so too much you're arguing for almost a sort of the the, sheer, the momentum had carried you forwards, and by the time it had carried you forwards, and the, the, you'd absorbed the weight of the incident, you'd gone. Well, I'm on about the old lady falling in front of me. There was something that was happened. It had happened rather than it was happening. But mm. I feel like the shock of an old lady falling is less frequent than, you know, a, 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 a waiter dropping something so I feel like that should have been in his wheelhouse to sort of deal with whereas I understand if an old lady drops in front of you there's not a precedent for what you do there you, you're, you're shocked for a moment and then obviously the second thought would be I must help this old lady yeah. two whereas, ladies have stepped over her <laughs> 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 but yeah I feel like the man uh, he, 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 I'm going to say it, he sounds like a chauvinist to me I think uh, okay. I think my my view on this would be very different if the saucer had... If you weren't a chauvinist yourself. <laughs> yes. If I, I believed that everyone was the same, then I would... No, I haven't heard the word chauvinist for years. I'm going to say I risked that one. Memory line. I risked that one. I'm not exactly sure what it means. Um, I think I might, I might start calling you one of them women's lippers. Oh, <laughs> oh. Please do. It would be an honour, Frank. If I'm... Um, it's a shame. It's, it's, it feels like such a modern phenomenon. There's already words that are out of date yeah. for it. Yeah. But I think my view would be different if the saucer had clattered to a halt even a metre away or, or, or just off a different table or something. Because then yeah. you go, oh, well, that's part of the, the background activity of the cafe. It's nothing to do with me. But because she'd, been, she'd walked across his path and the saucer clattered to a halt between his very toes, between yeah. his feet, rather... I can um, see, I see your... Uh, I, I just think it's very easy to be judgy in this oh, situation. I love it. Can we get into his psychology? Can we psychoanalyse him in the next bit, Frank? What all, all, all I remember thinking was that old lady was a lot higher <laughs> horizontal than I expected her to be. Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. In terms of uh, your incident in the cafe, Frank... Mm. Ruth Jordan gets in touch. Of course. Of course. Uh, and asks, is Frank sure that this space dumpling shot into the eye incident wasn't something he just read in the Beano? <laughs> and there was a powerful Beano aspect to you. Yeah. Yeah, there is, but sometimes life goes Beano. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Um, this is I, your new book. <laughs> remember I was, uh, I was chased by a ball once. In That's true. And I had to... I literally... Ra- I, I had my... my Hands were full of Christmas shopping, Chloe. So I couldn't, I couldn't wrestle. I couldn't wrestle with it. 
Uh, otherwise, I would have just took it by the horns and overturned it, obviously. But I r- literally ran... You know those styles you get in the fields? I literally ran up the fence without using my hands, which I didn't think I was capable of. That's pretty impressive. Am I going to ask the backstory for why you were in a field with Christmas shopping being chased by a bull? Well, I Presumably was, uh, in a black and white jumper followed by your dog called Nasha? <laughs> no, I was in... Um, I was in... I was living at Warwick University at the time and I'd been doing my Christmas shopping in Kenilworth and then I went to a pub on my own mm. and drank for about four hours and it was dark on the way home. So Say no more, it all makes sense now. But I yeah. remember thinking as I sat in the other field with the with I could hear the ball still, you know. And I was I remember thinking if I died, no one would take this seriously as a death. <laughs> and the obituary would have to be in the Beano. Sometimes sometimes life goes Beano and death. Exactly, yeah. You don't, you don't want that. Yeah. No, I mean um Yes, the, the the being shot in the eye by a sort of a a, a, a pea shooter is what they always it call them. He's you know. a sort of a pea shooter. Mm. Although um, Buzz owns a pea shooter, and a friend said, um, "Oh, I'd love one of those." And he went on eBay. He was going to get him one, or went on the internet. And they've suddenly been classed as offensive weapons, these shooters. Well, we can see why, because yeah. you're seeing this as like Buzz doing some kind of accident. He's clearly been practising with his pea shooter. That is possible. Oh. So it you, turn, prank. you turn the back of his door around, there'll be a dartboard with your face on it, <laughs> and he's hitting the eye, the right eye, every single time. There'll be an eye that's just clustered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you've got a sportsman on your hand there. <laughs> on your hands, Frank. Yeah, but it's not an Olympic pea shooting uh, event. <laughs> not yet. But uh, when you see some of the rifle things yeah. events, there are people like me in the Olympics, like you know, <laughs> just old guys yeah. turn up uh, with a big rifle and win gold medals. Doesn't make any sense? No. You could win gold medals for poetry at one time in the in the Olympics. Really? Yeah. And art and some sculpture. <laughs> I don't mean millions of years ago. I mean, like, in the 20s. Yeah. No way. Yeah. How would well, you, we should bring that back. How would you do doping for poetry? Oh, yeah, that... This yeah. is artificial melancholy. <laughs> yeah. But I think we should also do so, sort of, like, triathlons and duathlons where we make, like, people do athletic stuff like they have to run 100 meters and then at the end they recite a poetry and you're sort of judged <laughs> oh that'd be good you're yeah. judged on both yeah. yeah the um not so much the iron man competition but the aluminium man <laughs> slightly lighter and more silvery <laughs> <laughs> there was an event where you had to fall into a swimming pool flat out and you couldn't kick or do anything with your arms. <laughs> and it was how far you could go along the water um, before you uh, just sank. Began to thrash. That was an effect. Yeah, I mean, that's, I did that in Ibiza last summer. It sounds like I could uh, have a go on that one. <laughs> Is it, what happens? Is that the end of the link? Well, that doesn't make any sense. I've lost all sense of time and space. This is Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Pierre Novelli and Chloe Petz is with us this morning. You can text the show on 8.12.15. Follow us on X and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Meet the Pets. <laughs> <laughs> Living it. Woo! Chloe. 
Chloe, how was... Um, we're all talking about Edinburgh. How, how would you describe your Edinburgh this year? Largely good, actually. I've had a really nice time. I feel like... Um, I, I sort of um, never judge it on the shows. I judge it on the social aspect. And the social oh, aspect has been absolutely fantastic. That's a safer mm. way. Less, I uh, think so. Less of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, but I also think you sort of, you leave yourself open to um, disaster. Because last week, last Sunday, I um, I had a big night out and I did this, Ivo Graham runs this DJ battle thing where it's basically like you get paired up with another comedian. So I was paired up with Anya Magliano and you get given a category. So ours was like um, the, the first letter of our names and you have to choose three songs that fit that category and you sort of compete against each other. But I've always... Um, what, what do you mean? In a sort of lip sync challenge or something like that? No, no, no. You just play the songs and then... And, oh, I see. And who you, the, the audience will sort of cheer who they think chose better. Okay. But I, I find that idea terrifying. This is utterly <laughs> alien Have, you, to have you not done it, Pierre? No, I would be too afraid to do it. Yeah. yeah, I've seen you in the club and it's like everyone's dancing and you're just sort of there like um, waiting for someone to throw to you if we need like a philosophical treatise on something. I'm there like a sort of intellectual <laughs> bouncer. Yeah, yeah. But if if there's no signal in the club, there's no signal in the club. We use Pierre as Google. <laughs> the What's the best way home? Well, the great thing is that Pierre looks like a bouncer, yes. but he's got all that going on. Well, he? When we were when when I was doing tour support for Frank, and I've got a big sort of black waterproof jacket that's very security-ish. Often, before asking for a photo in a sort of services, they would sort of. Visually check in with me. Is <laughs> it okay to approach, Frank? My, yeah, don't take me down. <laughs> My favourite thing is being in a being in a. A comedian's car share with you, Pierre. You're always on top of my list. You and Garrett Millerick, I love being in a car with because I'll sit in the back, you two will sit up the front, and then I'll just say something, and then you'll be like, Oh, yes, I read about this on The Economist. <laughs> and then I just listen for about 15 minutes and I don't have to do anything. It's lovely. It sounds awful. No, it's great. Okay. It's like having, it's like having a live you, podcast. Some people just use radio for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in a, a comedian car once, and uh, one guy was saying, um, that he'd, he'd had a, a really bad gig and he couldn't work out what had gone wrong and all that on the way back from a gig this was. And another comic said, um, but all you, I've, I only ever see you have bad gigs. You, no. you, for bad gig, you've had bad gigs as long as I can remember. It's sort of thing like you'll always have bad gigs. And after that, there was about 120 miles of, of, of complete silence for the whole journey. Oh, my God. I mean, God. it was just... In the end, you sort of get over it and you just start thinking about other things, but speech felt... <laughs> even for comics who love, you know, bursting bubbles, obviously not in bubble tea, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just... Well, it was true was one of the big oh, problems. No. I m One of oh, my favourite no. car journeys was, again, with Pierre and Garrett. We were on maybe like a six to eight hour round trip and we were maybe like five hours in, um, like on the way back. And I, I felt like conversation was sort of slowly dying just because we were so tired, not because we didn't, yeah. we didn't want to be chatting. I can see Pierre looks affronted and at then, the idea uh, that could happen but, in the car where he was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm an intellectual. Um, and then what happened was Garrett received a call which he took on the, um, the speaker, the, the car speaker, and someone gave us um, 
an update on the gossip between a lawsuit between two different comedians and it was the best gift I think anyone oh, has wow. ever given. That's true. It was like a sort of um, air ambulance had arrived and <laughs> dropped supplies. <laughs> and we were like, well, well that's, that's the final two hours sorted. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. We've had a tweet from Cool Ski. He cool, says, as in one word, like Cool Ski, like the S has been capitalised. So, oh, I yeah. see. Fair enough. Uh, who says just Googled bubble tea? It seems that bubble? it's bubble tea. It is bubble tea. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm but, saying. Yeah, I think it, oh, the, it's the, the prodding accent. your accent. Oh, I see. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm excited for Cool Ski and their journey of. Um, Discovering bubble tea. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's an exciting one for everyone to get it's, on board with. It's spreading across the nation. <laughs> the little it bubbles. is. I yeah. think it is. I think it's one of the, you know, the last two, three, four, whatever it is, five years. Where one you, of the big social changes in where, this country. Where do you think will be the final holdout against bubble tea? Or, or lacking rather than against? Cumbria. Mm, <laughs> yes, or Anglesey. Yes. I thought you meant, like, I, I thought. I think we'll get to like a final point of saturation where um, the bubble is so big it's just the cup. Oh, yeah. Or maybe you don't need a cup. Yeah. You just have one big bubble. Just take the bubble. <laughs> you, drink, you have to <laughs> hold it as it wobbles in your hands back to your table. Then you, it, they've made the string, the, uh, the skin so strong, you can just put the, the straw through it mm. and then drink, and then just di- discard the skin we've like just one cre- mite of coconut shell. We've just, we, we've just invented the Capri Sun. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Horrifyingly edible Capri Sun. But within the giant bubbles, drinking from within it, would there be smaller bubbles and add? infinitum <laughs> oh that's a good point oh. be like one of those mirrored things where the images disappear into the into the distance bubbleception yeah that's yeah much. I like that what should, would we split the bubble like <laughs> Einstein <laughs> and the acid you know what happened then though? Bu- bubbleheimer mm. <laughs> 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 oh that <laughs> it's just a matter of time can I say, I went to see uh, uh, a show yesterday called um, Poof, P-O-O-F, and it was uh, an American um, performer, actor, and um, they were uh, playing a, a fairy in, in full fairy outfit with, you know, wand, mm. and... Um, I really liked it. It was one of those play one person things where you just thought, my heart is warming to this. And there were seven people in there. I just, I wanted to go out into the streets. And I've seen people do it in Edinburgh and say, come and see this show. (laughs) And after about 10 minutes, a woman came in with two children. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if this is child-friendly show, because it was very life-affirming, but it mm. was also, you know, real. And um, she sat with the two kids. They had a big tray of chips with tomato ketchup on it, which they were eating. 
Uh, bear in mind, this is like a two hundred seater with seven people in it. They've walked into, <laughs> yeah. and 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 on stage, the performer registers and says, "Oh, welcome, welcome!" But inside, you can tell he's going, "Get out!" <laughs> <laughs> and they sit eating their chips, and she, um, after about five minutes, just sits on her phone. It's, the light is flashing in the side. And then about 15 minutes before the end, they just leave, leaving the chips on the on um, the bench. Unacceptable. The, and I just thought, it's a, it can be a cruel place, Edinburgh. Oh, God, Lord. It? Yeah. So if you're in Edinburgh this weekend, go and see Poof. Don't let it go away and not witness it. But it's that sign. It's all right for us guys with our crowds pouring in every night. But it's just <laughs> injustice, the terrible injustice. And I never normally feel like robbing children's chips in their faces. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've just. I was, that was that was supposed to be internal. <laughs> I had to stop my show the other day because um, my voice went in the last 10 minutes and I, I had to kind of go, like, I, I need to tend to this medical emergency. Oh, wow. Is yeah. that how you phrase it on stop yeah. the show? I said, everyone, stop. <laughs> I'm having a medical emergency. And then I had to have loads of drink, of drink, and then um. <laughs> Here's a big cup of drink. You I'm, thought to yourself, I'm just having one big cup of drink, and once I got through all the bubbles, um, <laughs> I was able to sort of restart. What happened? Did you go off stage? No, no. It? I just said, I just said, guys, I'm gonna have to level so with you. They, they, the audience watched you medicate. Yeah, but it was it's always that kind of like that weird scenario on stage where I feel like I'm always quite in control. Mm. But then there's a the, the the bit where you're you're drinking and they're just staring at you and you're just yeah. thinking everyone here thinks I'm an absolute idiot. I hate even that moment when you go over and have a quick slurp out of your pint of water glass. I, that silence to me feels unbearable. Yeah. yeah. It lasts for about a thousand years. Yeah. Mm. But I hate, and I've, what I've started doing is going, mm, 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 mm. so I thought, I'm still, to, I'm still, I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> We're still connected. You can't, you can't go. I feel like I, I work out in the first week where, where my big laughs are and when my drink breaks can come. So at the end of my wedding routine, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have a lovely sip. Oh, you see, I, I just do it when I'm thirsty. Oh, really? That, that old method. <laughs> you are a traditionalist. Yeah. But now, so people keep telling me. What was the emergency? Was it like that sort of weird itch that you get in your throat sometimes? Yeah, and I was like, I'm just going to cough and cough and cough, uh, and I can't. And, and like, I was trying to, um, I was like, just get through get through to a big punchline and then you can take a sip. But I was like, I, I, I know where the big punchline is and I'm too far away from it to get my sip. Uh, and then I sort of did a survey of the audience and I said, surely every single person you now see in this last week of Fringe has this cough. And mm. everyone was like, yeah. Every so I just think I don't understand why people come in the last week of Fringe because they're seeing absolute husks of performers trying to deliver their show, and I also get this thing where when I the last week of Edinburgh I don't get nervous, and that means that any filter in my brain that stops me spouting out absolute drivel is just gone, yeah. and I feel like they just see like 
The, the other day, I spent ten minutes trying to guess the name of the names of men in the front row, and at one point, I just went, "Is this entertainment?" And everyone was like, "No, <laughs> no, just do your show." But see, that to me is where the gold is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it did get funny eventually after there's, I'd done a, the Fifth Man. There's a thing called Vegas Throat. Oh, which oh. Um, Elf, Star Elvis, Wars character? Elvis, yeah. <laughs> Elvis, you've cleaned that one up a bit. <laughs> it's uh, Elvis had it, and lots of people who do long runs at that. It's because of the the proximity of the desert oh. that the air is very dry in Vegas, and eventually the combination of that and performing. I think I've got aircon throat. Oh, I went on one night, the only time I've had any throat problems with um, karaoke throat. um, It was when my son was up and we tried um, And I Love Her on his phone on karaoke, you know, the Beatles song. Mm. And there's a bit that goes, this love of ours will never die. You don't want to be up there just before a gig. (laughs) And and it was was an unfriendlier key than that. But it's no good going on the audience thinking he's a big croaker and me saying, yeah, you know, it's that middle eight in And I Love Her. They're not interested in those kind of technicalities. We have a bit of a karaoke queen in the room. Mary is with us this morning, oh, helping yeah. out, because we're a bit short on numbers this week. What with the rail strike and all that, Mr. Obes. <laughs> and um, she does a mean Elvis impression, I'm told, really? in the carrier. Ma- and Mary, you might remember, fe- <laughs> she featured on the show last week as um, I, we went to see uh, Andrea... Spisto. Spisto, yes, and she um, made Mary complete part of her show. She played air bass on stage. She was a named character, Michael. <laughs> totally featured, and now she's in this show. I'm um, quite offended that um, when you said karaoke queen, my my face lit up, <laughs> and then oh. you said Mary because <laughs> Frank, I got I got some pipes in my locker. You know, no, no, I know I don't. Uh, well, I say I don't doubt. I have no idea what you've got in your locker. <laughs> we are in Scotland, so. <laughs> Most people have got pipes in their locker. I um, I think I'm sensational at karaoke. Oh, if mm. if I'm honest, because I think I've got that perfect blend of, um, I'm not good enough that people feel intimidated or annoyed, mm. but I'm just good enough that they're surprised. Do you yes. know? What? I'm a little bit impressive. I yes, think, oh, that's that's yeah. Pets has got something. There was I don't know if you're aware of the British comedian Max Bygraves, and Max Bygraves um, had a TV show and various albums called Sing Along a Max, and they'd say he's got a tremendous gift for getting a crowd to sing along. You know, it's beautiful community <laughs> singing, but his gift was that he wasn't that good. <laughs> So they were non. They weren't menaced by trying to match his singing. Yeah. I I um I was talking to um to a professional singer, Alison Moye. When I say oh. professional, now in a good term, and she she's um, supporting Southend United, and um, I think when she sang, some of the fans around her 
dipped out of the chant because she was too good. Was she was she sort of trying to like work up like a sort of choral like desk camp well, or something? I, the thing is I don't know if she could sing in a whoa I think she was just naturally <laughs> her voice came out beautiful and people were um, intimidated. When sort of the, the, the emotion of who are you really came through. <laughs> yes. Yes who you could see the referee thinking who am I? But you, you sound like you've got it in, in exactly the right spot. Yeah, Colin. I think it's fantastic, Frank. What's, um, what's your what's your um, what's your first weapon that you go for? What yeah. song? My first weapon is I'll do um, the best by Tina Turner. Oh, because what it is is obviously she sings it in an extraordinary way, but it is like one note just across the whole song so it's it's sort of quite easy for you to to have a go at and what I find is you get the verses to yourself and then you get the big chorus where everyone joins in so you keep everyone kind of engaged so it looks it looks it's simultaneously like narcissistic and philanthropic as a a sort of (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that's a song that needed some crossing out in it it feels like we've got the first draft you're simply the best okay that's established you're better than all the rest well yeah, that's yes, the same as a, thing. As above. You're, you're better than anyone. Um, yeah, it's, so it's always it's like multiple choice opening but line. Then, but then you get one of the most beautiful lines in music, which is, I hang on every word you say. Mm. Well, why if I'm not the best? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tina. We miss her. So, um, other shows I've seen this week, I went to see um, Barry Potter. Mm. Barry Potter, guess what that is? Frank, can I just ask, what's your method of deciding what you're going to see? Because it's the most sort of... Slapdash <laughs> well, collection I've ever heard. It's, it's, it differs. With, with Poof, um, Adrian Childs was in Edinburgh uh, interviewing um, oh, God, the, the woman who wrote... Sally Wainwright at the television festival. And his wife is a big friend of the performer from Poof. So that's how I went right, on that okay. one. And with Barry Potter, my son was up and he loves Harry Potter. So he says, let's go and see. And he loves magic. Mm. Oh, I've given it away now. So Barry Potter <laughs> is a magician. God, we never would has, have guessed. I think it was forced his act into a Barry Potter, into a Harry Potter shaped <laughs> mould. Um, and uh, did some inc- I'm so impressed by magic I, I should be invited to every magic show there's ever been because I get he starts off he gets a woman on stage and he gives her a golden snitch which I don't know if you know is, is part of the uh, part of the, the Quidditch game mm. she has to put her hands behind her back the old thing and, and then come out and he has to guess which hand this tiny thing is in and he does it four out of four. Mm. Four out of four. So by then, I'm completely won over that this man is in league with the devil. Frank, is this, is this your barometer of what good magic is? Because yeah. I, I think I could probably do that during the next song. We'll try that. Okay. We'll try it. We'll try that. So you, you, you feel like in the, in the terms of a magic show audience, you uh, take on the role of sort of credulous villager. Um, yeah, I, I'm just the perfect. I just am so impressed by magic in all its <laughs> That's in, very in, all, sweet. in all its forms. Even though I have to say, a lot of his actual 
banter was I would call sob cracker. Uh, um, as in, not as in the Robbie Coltrane series, but as in <laughs> the thing that one pulls apart with a bang. But I feel like our barometer for like what good jokes are now is yes. possibly too high. Like when I go to musicals, I absolutely love musicals, but I'll, I'll sort of watch and think, oh, I would have loved to have got hold of that script and done a little punch up. Oh yeah, we've all we've yeah. all done that. G- give got... me give me hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. Give me hairspray. I'll do a punch up. Theatre um, humour. I imagine you're also thinking I could have sung that better. Oh. Of course, <laughs> of course, I could play Tracy Turnblad. If there's if there's any musical theatre producers out there, please give me a call. Well, um, and they might. You know what happened? I interviewed Andrew Lloyd Webber, and he said I'm looking for a new idea. And a woman found up and said, "I've I've got a I've been working on The Woman in White as a musical, and and it became a musical oh, right. just because he'd said that on my chat show. And I used to have a can, chat show, Chloe, before you were born. <laughs> we, we can pitch your um, uh, The Life of Riley, the documentary yeah, of... There will be. That Rachel will Ryan. happen. They will, it will be called The Life of Riley. And I'd be mm. willing to play her. <laughs> OK, fair enough. Now, can, I, can I be Jimmy Carr? <laughs> can you do the laugh? Now, I think the prosthetics, that be ours. (laughs) 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 A car is born. This is uh, Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Pierre Novelli and Chloe Petz. You can text the show on A1215. Follow us on X and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email us via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. We haven't had many this morning, have we? Is it because we're a bit further away? Is that how email works? I yeah, think so, yes, yeah. they'll all arrive in about an hour. <laughs> Look, we did an experiment during that break. Um, mm. Chloe Pett, who's something of a braggart, we found out from a discussion <laughs> of um, karaoke. As opposed to a boggart. Then turned um, and dismissed Barry Potter's four out of four hand spots mm. that she could do that during the break. So I went, I'll tell you what I did, I, I need to return this. I picked up a key from the toilet here at Radio 4th where we're, um, where we're lodging while we're in Edinburgh. And this was the um, toilet roll key. <laughs> Ah, you know the bar that you that yeah, you put? they are thrifty in Scotland, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> the bar, <laughs> the bar that that goes through the toilet roll is locked here, mm, so wow. that no one can steal the the toilet paper or replace it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I suppose the keeper of the well, the key was in there anyway. Oh. I don't understand any of it. Anyone must replace it because I don't want to um, lock lock out the toilet paper, as it were. You know that old uh, that old tradition, that old Hogmanay tradition. <laughs> It'll be a good year if the uh, if the toilet paper is locked. But out. anyway, um, Chloe Petz then decided uh, chose which hand I was holding the toilet roll key, yeah. and she failed three out of four. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I don't like the person that I am this morning. I feel like all I'm doing is. Um, undermining the talents of other people. I'm like, it's easy to be a singer. It's easy to be a magician. <laughs> and and it's, not, it's not any of those things. It's, it's very a, hard it's, to do those a, things. It's a John Noakes approach. John Noakes was a Blue Peter presenter before your time. And he used to go and do a, di- a different person's job 
every week. And I saw an interview <laughs> with him. He was something like he'd cleaned um, Nelson on the top of Nelson's column, done an industrial clean, and he was in his harness. And he said, um, I don't know what it is with me, really, but, so, you know, I, I, I just go into people's jobs and things that it's taken them years to learn, I can learn in, like, five minutes. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but I've never related harder to a person in my life. <laughs> anyway... Um, at one point, he calls for a volunteer and he chooses my partner, Kath, who is the least keen on being in the spotlight person you could imagine. We, um, we've we been offered um, family fortunes, Mr and Mrs, even relative values in, uh, is it the Sunday Times where, where they do that thing? She won't do any of them. Mm. And um, anyway, it's very hard not if he says, this lady, this lovely lady in the spectacles, although he did have this habit of saying, I really like this um, very lovely lady, and then look around for another minute to decide which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, on the thus, he devalued loveliness. Mm. But anyway, he got her up on stage, which I, I've never, I couldn't believe it happened. And she had to, uh, he had some, some eight by twelves, uh, of various characters from Harry Potter, which he was going to uh, predict which one she'd chosen, etc., etc. But it reminded me the very first time I came to Edinburgh, I went to see Julian Clary, and I was chosen as his stooge. Ah. And um, as we said, Mary's on on the show today. She and I just um, have, have you ever been? Either of you ever been uh, called up? Yes. On stage. Mm. Have you? Yes. Once. Well, just hold it and we'll find out what happened after this little baby. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. I, who, me. Yes. So, um. <laughs> We've got a, a text in from 286 regarding being brought on stage. Yes. Has anyone out there, um, yeah. a. a being called up on stage as a, as a as a they used to call them stooges. I don't know if they call them that anymore. Sort of volunteer in the least well, true sense volunteer. of the word. <laughs> so come <laughs> so, on, what did they say? Uh, Two eight six says when I was a child. <laughs> I like it so far. Yeah, I was picked out of the stalls with a load of others to get on stage with David Essex and do a dance at a performance of Robinson Crusoe at oh. Newcastle's Theatre Royal. Wow. Got a little chocolate bar at the end. Mm. Nice. Mm. All of them got that, do you I think? I think so. Or did they have to fight over it as part of this show? <laughs> as they a part just of a, threw, threw it into the middle of the kids and they just scrapped. Lord of the Flies style aspect to Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> now that you are all on the island. <laughs> There is only one chocolate bar. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. uh, see, people remember it forever. So you yeah. were once called up here. Yes, but it wasn't in a necessarily in a whimsical or nice way. Oh, I, well, it was interesting. I had gone to watch a live recording of the podcast. We have ways of making you talk, which. Al Murray and James Holland, the historian host. Oh, okay. And James Holland, being an incredibly detail-oriented man, had written lots of interesting things. Interesting to me. Yeah. about um, the various uniforms of the sides of the Second World War and what the, the effect that they had on Blimey the... Blimey Yeah, I know, I know, I know. This, I is, know. Him at, this is him at the club. This is me. I had my, I had my Zippo lighter in the air. 
<laughs> I was waving it. <laughs> One more fact. One more fact. That's what I chanted Just at the end. Throwing his underwear at the hosts. <laughs> as, as a sidebar here, uh, uh, Pierre um, mentioned earlier a thing called hot hands. Mm. Which could you could you sum it up quickly? Uh, in the NBA, in, in basketball in America, there's this idea of hot hands, and when a player is doing well or, or, or scoring frequently, or is is on a roll, basically, yeah. that they have hot hands and should be passed to more because they've got this sort of on a roll thing happening to them. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of people did a big analysis of the stats and found that it's not statistically true. You see, that is one of the things that really makes me angry because there's loads of stuff in football about things like home advantage mm. and uh, whether a, a team who equalizes in the last minute is more likely to to win after uh, extra time and those are things that have been held for years as truths and then in recent times many statisticians have gone and and, and just spoiled it for everyone. Although I thought home advantage was proved. That might be one of them, but yeah. there's the many things that people have always thought that have just um just but, have gone. But I, I do that. I think we're also in a we're in a stage where like things can be pro- proved absolutely empirically, but people will still insist on being like, no, nah, I disagree with that just on a vibe. <laughs> yeah, but mm. I don't want to be that guy either. What I want, I've always said this, there's only two good conversations to be had, say in a public house. And that is where no one knows what they're talking about or where everyone knows what they're but one bad apple who knows what he's talking about can ruin a whole group oh, yeah, yeah. Pierre. That man oh, yeah. Pierre Pierre also Googles stop a lot. reading yeah. Pierre oh I'm absolutely like... so I offer a poetic interpretation of some historical events and then Pierre says well actually it was only 9,400 people you are got that absolutely incorrect <laughs> so there's two Wow. Um, the, uh, the, the director, Werner Herzog, said uh, someone accused him of doing a documentary with sort of fake shots or kind of exaggerating something. And he said, I present, I present the, uh, the sublime truth and not the accountant's truth. <laughs> <laughs> so you what can say that when, from now on. What about when I saw a Scottish historian uh, at, the, at the book festival in Edinburgh? And he was talking about the the, uh, the the Scottish Enlightenment, the Edinburgh Enlightenment in the 18th century. And someone said, "Could um, could the could there be another Edinburgh Enlightenment?" And he said, "The future is not my period." <laughs> oh, <laughs> shot yes. down in flames. Have we heard from, um, I think, what's known as Le Monde El Fresco? We certainly have. Simon F. <laughs> has sent in a tweet. David Schneider got me up on stage as part of his stand-up act. Oh. Yeah. I thought I'd be safe being quite far back, but he wove his way through the audience to oh, pick no, me out. that's not right. That's not right. Because I think, and David Schneider is a very good friend of mine, but I've always think people come to the front because they want to be in the show, generally mm. speaking. Although sometimes, you know those people that don't laugh at all for the whole show and everyone else mm. is collapsing? Some They do tend to... They'll come, they want to be seen to be not enjoying it, I think. They've come to, they feel like sometimes they've come to sort of inspect you. 
Yes. Do you think? Do you think so? I think sometimes people just don't know how to be an audience member, and I also think, particularly at the Edinburgh Fringe, where it's like fill up from the front, you can be like an unsuspecting sort of front row member, and they're the ones mm. that they don't seem to be laughing because they're just too busy being scared. <laughs> And to be honest, I don't help with that because I do shout at the front row quite a lot. <laughs> well, I... Last time I was up here, I met a woman. I'd watched her all night not laughing in the third row. Oh. I mean, really not not really moving. I started to think it was like Banquo's ghost and she wasn't really there. It was an empty... This someone who'd sat there in the 1920s. Anyway... The next day, she said, I was at your show last night. And I thought, oh, here we go. And she said, oh, man, it was just hilarious. I said, you were in the third row? And she said, yeah. I said, but you didn't didn't laugh once. I never saw you laugh. She said, yeah, all the people have said that to me. I just, uh, I don't know, I think it's just like, the laughing isn't like visible. That's mad. And I thought, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to that and apply it to all those you, monstrous people. You reacted to that Scrooge oh, sprinting last, through the streets. At last I have an out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's still time. Boy, what it's day is it? Not always it's no one laughing yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. Of course. <laughs> Mr. Scrooge, go and buy a fine goose. <laughs> Boy, it turns out it's not always the visible. <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Frank, we've had someone write in with quite beautiful language, actually, mm. about when their, and I quote, beautiful wife was called up to assist with a performance. Um, so this is from. Chris Jennings and and he says some of years course. ago of course some years now ago there's a book called Jennings of course <laughs> about Jennings the sort of uh, public schoolboy figure we've know? kept up the tradition of when I come on this show of me understanding about 20% of your references <laughs> but you always explain them so wonderfully I did say hashtag orcs earlier just to make you feel at home <laughs> just to make, make me feel at home back in 2010 um, <laughs> some years ago we took the family to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh wandering around the streets we came across a large gathering watching a guy on stilts within a blink of an eye mullet man a New Zealand daredevil had selected my beautiful wife in her green fleece jumper to assist him in his act. Reluctantly, she was dragged to the centre where she had a teddy bear snatched from her hand with a long whip. I'm into wow. that. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow, that's a special... That, that's unlocked something within me. Um, his, his, his main stunt, though, was to juggle a wrench sword and flaming torch whilst at the top of his stilts. Kate, the beautiful wife's one job, was to pass him the items by throwing them up. Mullet Man told her she was expletive um, as after giving clear instructions to flick the handle towards him when throwing them up, she failed and he cut his hand on the sword. There was blood and then he scorched himself with the burning torch. My my wife was actually traumatised by the whole ordeal and honestly didn't sleep for the next two nights. I wonder though, you know sometimes as a comedian when you do like those, uh, air quotes, improvisations that are the same every night? Yeah. He probably did the same thing, just a bit of fake blood... 
Maybe. Squash, it was like just his thing. Well, see, this is another case of a, of a myth being ex- exposed by that kind of reasoned argument. I like that story because it fitted into my view that the beautiful are hopeless at everything. <laughs> <laughs> they have no cause to be good at throwing knives at mullet mans. Yeah, God, they've got, you know, they're beautiful and that's it. <laughs> Also, I don't like the teddy bear being uh, under the whip. Oh, well, that's um, too close to your test, isn't it? Yeah, I used to, I used to <laughs> test uh, people, Chloe. I'll try this on you. <laughs> I would say to, 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 let's say to someone I, I was becoming close to, would you, be, would you be able to knock a nail into a teddy bear's face? And if they could... Um, you know, being based on it being an animal, I think that person doesn't have the level of compassion and warmth that I want close to me. I feel like you probably ruined some very fruitful relationships by that hypothetical. Could you do it? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question now. I know what you think the outcome should be. But that feels to me like, have you ever heard the discourse around... Um, uh, girlfriends asking partners, um, would you love me if I was a worm? No. Uh, yes, this is a meme. It's quite thing. a meme thing. Yeah. So it's like, imagine you're like laying next to your partner, you know, bit, bit, having sort of a cuddly moment in bed, and then the the you often the girlfriend will turn to often the boyfriend and say, "Would you love me if I was a worm?" <laughs> and if the man says no, then they say, "Well, you clearly don't love me enough then." <laughs> that is sort of start, started as a as a. Some sort of joke or meme or something, and it's become a wow a reference point. It's sort of Kafkaesque as well. The yeah. idea of uh, yeah. metamorphosis. I once this is a clean story, but I was once in bed with a lady, oh. and I, in the middle of the night, you know, you roll over, and I rolled, so I was my back was facing her, and I heard her say, huh, "Charming." Oh my! God. <laughs> I this. This cannot work. <laughs> Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. Absolute radio. Absolute radio. Regarding uh, uh, being taken up on stage, 251 gets in touch and says, Me and my sisters once went to see the Blues Brothers at a local theatre. Ah. Uh, we were told everyone dresses up like the Blues Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so we did. We were the only ones dressed <laughs> like the Blues Brothers. They then got us up on stage at the end to dance with them. Mortified, Rachel and Sheffield. Did I tell you when I had to judge judge best costume? Sorry, I misread that, Frank. Mortified Rachel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mortified Rachel would yeah. be quite a good stage name. It would be good, wouldn't it? Very <laughs> stiff. It's, it's a bit like Moaning Myrtle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I once judged best costume at a um, sound uh, late night sound of music sing along. Of course. Mm. And um, there were two Nazis in the audience, all Nazi uniform. (laughs) And I just, all I could think to say was, how did you get here? (laughs) We marched. They said, uh, we we got the tube. I said, no, (laughs) you can't have got the tube. So anyway, to be fair, if you give it to them. If you were dressed like that and you got into a packed tube carriage, the temptation to say, Papers, please, down the whole carriage. <laughs> well, it, obviously, having asked me to do it, I, they knew that the nuns were going to be the favourites. Oh, of, the, course, of course. So I went yeah. for two nuns. <laughs> 
Um, yes. So, look, I, um, uh, Chloe, it's been great having you on. And often when people are on, I think we should plug their stuff. And I know you're all sort of quiet, <laughs> but I, yes. What are you up to that we can come and see Chloe Pets doing? Well, that's very, very kind of you, Frank. Um, if you are currently at the Edinburgh Fringe, then I have one extra show that there are a few tickets left for tonight at 10.30. That's at the Pleasance Courtyard. It's my show, If You Can't Say Anything Nice. I've been having the most fantastic time performing it. I'm having a lovely time. That's nice. Um, And if you couldn't catch it here, then I'm doing it at the Soho Theatre from Monday the 30th of October to Saturday the 4th of November. And I feel like when you do Soho Theatre after you've done your Edinburgh run... It almost feels like the sort of the fun victory lap that's like the reward after doing this big marathon. You know, mm. I, I love I love doing Soho Theatre. So um, come to that. It will be a massive laugh. I Just feel, one big laugh at the end of my show. I feel <laughs> the level of cool, which is a very cool place, mm. the Soho Theatre. Whenever I play there, I feel the level of cool drops dramatically because I'm <laughs> it's like you know when the, the, when people make the mistake of putting warm food in the fridge yeah it's yes. like that <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be fair my mother thought it was the coolest thing in the whole entire world when she met you at the Soho Theatre when she told you the same story three times in a row oh that's and lovely she did I, it, it got better that story mm. <laughs> it did get better as it went she refined it yeah and this morning she texted me when I said that I was going to be on the radio she said say hello to Frank three times <laughs> <laughs> the three hours Oh, repetition, repetition, and repetition. <laughs> what, what, I want to do. I want to do Pierre as well. Now, what about this? Yeah. Oh, what have you got? Pl- plugs. Yeah, plugs. Um, I, I suppose. The Don't big... make something up. If you have got to make something <laughs> up, forget about it. Are you, are you still doing your podcast with Phil Wang? Yes, yes. No, we don't want to plug that. No, no. <laughs> the, the big thing I'm trying to sell in uh, is in November, the 23rd of November, I'll be at Leicester Square Theatre, which is a big room. I need to fill, so okay. Uh, that would be good to come to, and on on tour in general in autumn, round the nation. I think you should, and Dublin. I think you should call that um, to a, a big room. I need to fill. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, well, they're, look, they're two funny guys. Go see them. On the next episode of Frank Skinner's Poetry Podcast. Uh, that was the cheer. Well, we'll be, oh, it's great, we'll, by the way. It's we'll be out on Wednesday. It's Jean Sprackland. And you probably think I've never heard of Jean Sprackland. She's a contemporary poet and she's absolutely tremendous. Download it from wherever you get your podcast. It's a life changer. That's my view. Chloe, it's been an absolute joy having you on the Thank show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, the usual. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, we, if the good Lord spares... Oh, thanks for listening, everyone, obviously. It's been fabulous being up in Edinburgh, actually, an absolute lark. Thanks to Radio 4th for having us. And um, if the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. Now, get out. This is Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio.